All right, welcome to episode number 19 of the Artist of Motion podcast. Apologies out the gate. My voice has been shot for the last couple of days, so yeah, it is what it is. We'll deal with it. So I got to talk to Mr. Herman Macon who, out of Odenton, Maryland. I hooked up with him through a mutual buddy of ours, A.C. Wiley. Thank you for that, sir. Mr. Macon's got a great history. He spent 22 years in the military. He grew up training with the Black Karate Federation, and he's now affiliated with Joe Palanza out of uh, the East Coast of the United States. So I had a great chat with him. I'm going to let you guys get right to the show. All right. Welcome to this episode of the Artist of Motion podcast. Today, my guest is Mr. Herman Macon out of Odenton, Maryland. He's the owner-operator of Extreme Impact Martial Arts. He spent 22 years in our U.S. military, and we are very grateful for his service. He's been training in martial arts since the age of 12, which as of today marks 47 years. He studied with Steve Sanders Muhammad in the BKF in his early career, and today studies with Joe Palanzo in the WKKA. So welcome to the show, Mr. Macon. I'm glad to have you here. How are you? How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing wonderful. Happy to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I gave everybody kind of the short version of your bio. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you now. And So what would you like to expand on or tell us some more about your background? Okay, well, you know, I studied with, I started, um, I started studying with uh, Steve Muhammad, it was Steve Sanders at that time, and it was at the Crenshaw School. And uh, I was walking by looking for a job, and um, going my way to my job, I saw this guy doing this form. I was like, man, he just floated. It's like his moves were just so smooth and just, it's like he was floating on water. I went home excited, told my mom about it, and um, she went up there and signed me up. And, um, you know, uh, during that time, her and my father were on the verge of divorce. So when they got a divorce, I, she couldn't afford it. So I guess I got I read that Bruce Lee book that he had a long time ago. And the way he got his lessons was that he cleaned the dojo up. And Mr. Um, Sanders, at that time, Mr. Muhammad, he was very accommodating. You know, he loved working with people. And he let me come in there and clean the dojo up. And I thought I would do my lessons. Sometimes I would just get on the floor. And just, I would even clean. But he would let me... Um, he was letting me come in there and train. I would train with some of the guys in the back, and I would go to the tournaments with the uh, some of the black girls like Lenny Ferguson, Alvin Crowder, and you know guys like Ray Wizard, and you know Barry Gordon. Some of the guys that was like big, you know, legendary in the BKF. And um, I just you know kept on training with them. And eventually, I got into boxing, and I had been boxing just as long as I had done karate. And you know, I boxed for about twenty five, you know, about twenty five years in the army. And I had aspirations to go to the Olympics, but I just ended up staying in the Army longer than I expected, and boxing while I was in there. And so I currently train now under um, Mr. Palanzo, Joe Palanzo, um, when I get a chance to go up there. But that's who I've been training for since I've been in Maryland. And uh, a guy named Mike Lambert, when he comes down to the school, and um, Sabora Chan. Oh, you got some big names in your training history. Yeah. Are you aware of Sabor? I'm familiar with the name. I have not done a whole lot of research into specifically who he is as a martial artist, but the name has been floated around. I've heard about him for like 10 years now, so yeah. Oh, yeah, he's, he's definitely solid. Yeah, <laughs> he's Mike Lambert's another guy, guy that I'm hoping at some point to talk to, so we'll see. Yes, sir. I'll definitely hook you up with him, too. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so tell us about your school, Extreme Impact Martial Arts. Yeah, it used to be um, making karate and fitness. And, you know, the reason I didn't even make karate and fitness is because, you know, I had to come up with a name. And I didn't really want a name that might give it my name um, because, no, it, it was never about me. You know, I didn't want to call it Red Dragon or Black Dragon or Fighting Tiger or some crazy name like that. I, well, I, I didn't want to do that. And I just want, and then I said, well, for now, for the, now uh, for the time being, I just call it making karate and fitness. And, um, Barely about like maybe five or six years ago, I was under just thinking about I wanted to give it a change, and I came into some of my I ran into some of my old uh, students that I used to teach in Germany, and um, they got me on Facebook and they would tell me thank you and for all the time and effort that I gave with it to them about the lessons I taught them when he was, you know, in Germany and stuff in martial arts and saying how um, it really had an impact on their life and what they're doing now. And so I thought about that the impact. I wanted to be something different. I really want to have something, an extreme impact. I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to call it, extreme impact. And so we change. We don't spell extreme with the, the regular way, with the E. We spell with the X, and impact with the M. And that's how extreme impact came. 
Now, just browsing your website, you're getting ready for this interview and stuff. Um, you have a ton of different programs going on at the school. So how do you manage oh, yes, to find sir. time to run that many different programs? Well, I have some young, I have some students uh, that, that, um, that's helped me out. I have a young guy, Kenny Tran, uh, who's coming up, and Alex Lutz. Now, I've had some other uh, good instructors, like Mario Miller, um, who's now with Mr. Blonzo. Um, but I've had a lot of young kids, uh, young men and women that, that have done it, and they were pretty good and just happy to stick with it. And, um, you know, my goal is to get them a job and stuff, you know, instead of them working at McDonald's or some fast food place or something like that, you know, I thought that this is something they'll love. And so we do that. Well, what we do, we have an after-school program, and um, we currently have about 28, 30, well, about 34 kids in that. And uh, I have a staff of, like, five people. Um, the kids used to come in at 2 o'clock. We help them down, help them with the homework, um, and teach them martial art lessons. Um, then the parents pick them up. Then we have a regular juniors program, and um, we have an adults program, the teenagers and adults program. That's mixed. Then we have a kickboxing program. Now, um, and we're getting ready to start a homeschool program. We started, we had it going on before. And, um, you know, since I'm by a military base, a lot of people that were in homeschool, you know, they, um, they rotated, they moved, they were transferred to another place. And so, it comes and goes, but we're getting ready to start it back um, after this Friday. Oh, right on. So good timing for this interview. <laughs> Hopefully we can help some, uh, yeah. you know, get some other people helped out here. All right, so let's go back oh, yeah, in time sir. if we can. Uh, I always love hearing about what the, you know, <clears throat> quote-unquote early days of training for somebody were, and it sounds like your early days were spent with the BKF. So uh, what was it like training oh, yeah. in that environment? You know, and Steve Sanders is pretty much a legend in the, the you know, American oh, yeah. martial arts area, so... Uh, you got to work with him really early in your life, as far as your martial arts career goes. So, what was that like? I, you know, it was funny. It was you know funny because you know our school was down the street from Jim Kelly, who was another you know a guy uh, like martial arts who made it you know pretty good in movies and stuff. And um, I had a friend who ran the school, but um, we used to back in those days with um, Steve um, just training. Um, it was no safety equipment at that time. You know, there was no safety equipment. It was hands and feet, you know, like the blood and gut there. I was coming out. It's still in that part. They hadn't really developed safety equipment until later on. They weren't really enforcing it. And um, I can tell you one thing. You know, all this thing about discipline and ADHD and things like that. And I understand that some kids do have um, uh, issues and stuff. But the discipline problem, if you acted up on Mr. Muhammad's uh, floor, you know how we get punched in, and, and you know in Kempo they have that traditional punch in, and he called you come over here, get over here, and they'll exhale, boom. Now he wouldn't try to kill you, but it put the fear of God in you, like man, if you're on this floor, you better be, you better be in business. And if you didn't get the technique right, <laughs> after so many times he thought you were drifting, you were playing around, he said get over here, and he'll exhale, boom. I oh my God, <laughs> you know. So it was scary. But it was discipline. We weren't, you know, we come back more because you want to train, you want to be good. And um, he had black belts coming in from all over. When some of the guys like being your kids or other guys, you know, would be in LA, they would come by the DKF because they knew those guys if they want to get sparring, that's what they would go with. They would come to those schools and stuff like that, you know. Um, and they had, you know, guys come in like Howard Jackson and stuff, you know coming in the work with those guys that they had some top fighters, you know. So um, the training was rough, and it was hard. I mean, you figure, uh, I think he probably had about two or three classes uh, going on, and he did private lessons and stuff. But that floor was packed, and it wasn't a big school. I mean, you know, probably less, probably about 1,500 square feet. But it was, it was maximizing. You didn't... <laughs> If you wasn't able to camp or really work, you didn't have that much room to work, um, to fight around, dance around the whole ring and stuff. You fought in close quarters. So um, I've never had to use it in a street situation. Thank God. I'm confident I know it works. That's really the biggest thing, with, especially for the youth, is that learning that confidence piece. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean... It sounds like that was really, really impactful in your life, coming out of that with confidence. 
Oh yeah, it, um, it was. I mean, you know, because you know, I think some parents today, you know, I think that a lot of parents are um, so um, feel like they owe the kids something. You know, they say no to them. It's like the kids gonna get mad at them. You know, I remember my daughter when she was training with me. I used to tell her, I said, I'm your father first. I said, um, if you like what I do and we're friends, that's fine. But my, my main goal is to be your father. So some things you're not going to always agree with what I do. So I'm doing my best that I can to be a best, the good father for you. And so sometimes I mean cracking the whip. I mean, I didn't compensate her with, um, if I said no, then turn back around and take her to like Wendy's or someplace because I was, I was, I felt like she was mad at me. No, no meant no. And she had to learn that. She, my best lessons were like, <laughs> my mother, um, there was a big tournament. It was in Vegas. I did something I didn't supposed to do. You know, be a teenager. And uh, she said, no, you're not going to go. She had all ready for me to go. Said, you're not going to go. I sat there and I brewed and cried and stuff like this. She got tired of looking at me. I guess I learned my lesson to how much is it? She gave me the, the the plane fair, I flew to Vegas, and I was going to see a tournament. By that time, when I got to the tournament, they were fighting like full contact. I said, oh, no, you got to train for that. I ain't crazy. I wanted to fight, but I wasn't going to just jump in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what? The, the thing is that it taught me about respect and discipline and stuff. I mean, hey, it was a perfect note, but it taught me a whole lot about caring, you know, uh, respect for others and stuff. I wouldn't go someplace and disrespect. Some of the things I have in my school now, yeah, um, back in those days, Mr. Muhammad was not going to have that. And a lot of school teachers, a lot of guys weren't going to do that. And that's why I think it's so hard for me to give up on a student when I see that he's struggling and he has a discipline problem. I would go above and beyond to try to help them. Show up at the schools, um, talk to them, you know, try, do anything I can because I know that somebody didn't give up on me. And, and you know, guys like, you know, Steve Muhammad, they didn't give up on me. I mean, he gave it to me for free, basically. So I have to give it back. And in some cases, I have to give them back a lot in the community. I still do. I mean, we do fundraisers. We do Thanksgiving baskets, Christmas baskets. And I try to get the kids to understand that it's not about you. It's about helping other people that are less fortunate. or They don't have the opportunity that we have to give back. I love hearing stories like that. It It literally gives me goosebumps. I love it. I'm glad. Now, there's a yes, uh, there's a review on your Facebook page that uh, you've even had some parents now that have had two generations of their kids train with Sensei Macon. So you've been around yes, and helping people for long enough that there's been multiple generations out of the same family that have come to work with you. I mean, that, that that's a huge statement oh, yeah. in and of itself. Oh, yeah. I have one, man, um, I have one family. You're like a brother, man. Um, man, um, you know, his youngest, his oldest son, and he's like 20 now. And then his sister, uh, youngest, one of the two older sisters, they train in it. And he's the only one that got his black belt. The other one got his brown belt. And everyone stopped. But, you know, high school starts coming up, and then kids want to be popular and getting other things, other sports. So these kids were with me when they were young. You're talking about four, five, six years old. You know, um, and then they had left. They were in the military and left and came back. And they came back training. So now, you know, they're going to middle school. And so, you know, kids want to do different things. I understand that. Um, but I'm glad to have them as long as they, have, they are now. But his two younger ones, he has a daughter that's five years old and he has a son that's like three. I told him, I said, Harold, I, I said, man, both two are going to be the ones. I said, because now you're not deploying no more. You retired from the military and they're going to be in this area. You bring them. I said, they're going to be the ones that are going to, they're going to overshadow Jonah and Victoria. <laughs> That's they're gonna, they're gonna, yeah, they're going to overshadow him. And these kids are hungry. Isn't that so much fun when you get somebody who just is really looking for that lightning rod of something that's going to turn them on and, and really you know move forward oh, with their lives? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. You know, I had a kid come back the other day. And, you know, it's bad, you know, because the martial arts instructors, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, some of the, you know, they said that, I forgot the percentage, um, they were talking about the martial arts school in the country that don't have over a hundred some students or maybe just had a hundred some students. They've been in business for a while. I think I'm around that. But, um, and then you have the ones that are super school, like almost like a mega church. They have two, three, four, five, six, eight hundred students. But 
you know, the, the thing is, um, out of all those things you have, a certain percentage of them go tournaments, a certain percentage of them don't. Now, a certain percentage of those guys, you know, some can't even afford it. But as instructors, we go above and beyond. I mean, how many times have you done something for a kid might have took them home or done this and um, done something special? Maybe even helped them buy some sparring gear or give them some sparring gear. I was getting your heart because you saw that kid had that passion, that, that desire to want to do it, you know? And what gets me is passion. You know, I don't care. You can have all the talent you want. And um, and I tell the kid, I said, passion is going to get you there. I, I, would, I would rather take a person with less talent, but I have a whole lot of passion. I can take that person and work with them. Yeah, I had a, uh, d- just as a sidebar, I had I sat on a testing board and I, for a couple of different schools around you know, around my area. There's a couple of different schools that I sit on boards for whenever they're doing promotions. And uh, there was one kid that uh, he was taking a test, and it was he's getting close to black, and uh, he was just that particular test. He didn't have it that day, or he was just slacking off that day, or maybe he was really nervous. You know, I, I'm not sure exactly what the issue was, but he just didn't have it that day. So you know, I, I didn't pass him for his test, and I gave him a whole list of stuff. You know, one on one after the test, of, this is what I need you to work on. You know, I know, I see the potential there. Today just wasn't your day, so I don't want you to take this as this is not this is not a no. This is a today. It's not ready. So oh, yeah. next month, when the next test is, you have another chance to make it that day. And I'll tell you, he came back that ne- that next promotion test, and he kicked the crap out of that test. Every single thing that he needed to fix, he fixed. Every single thing that I was wondering if maybe he was going to show me more. I mean, he just performed better than I'd ever seen him perform. And that that smile on his good. face when he got that belt, I mean, it gives me goosebumps again. Just thinking about the look on his face, where he, he knows he knew he earned every bit of that. He was ready, and he he, he knocked it out of the park. I love watching people. Wouldn't you? Yeah, wouldn't you agree that martial arts? See what I liked about martial arts. I was okay. I mean, I was okay. I was average. You know, I was okay in football. I played. I mean, if I wanted to do something, I really I went after it. And um, I like basketball. But I didn't try to play high school basketball. Now. I'm, I made the team, I probably could have, but I was a good basketball player. Now I just average at best because that wasn't my passion. But martial arts, man, I took to like a fish to water. And um, what I I love about it, like the thing you just said, you know, you know, martial arts is like, you know, like a team sport where you have five people or ten people on a team. Now, if you so-so, you still can get on the court. I mean, now you might be an average player, but you know, if you have a couple of strong players on the court, that's going to overshadow your inefficiency, you know, your weakness. But in martial arts, when you're out there competing, whether it's a form, kata, whatever you're doing, it's one on one. It's you and the other person. It's you up there, and that's what I love about it. Because if you're going to be, if you're going to be good at this. It shows on your effort. You know, it's it's you. Yep. How how much are you going to How much are you willing to give? How much are you willing to sacrifice and train to get what you want? Mm-hmm. And so by that being that way, it's taught me that I can do anything I want to. If I put my force, if I put my, if I if I put my focus on it, if I'm if I'm dead set on it, if I'm just stuck to it, if I if as a laser light focus, and that's what I like about that. You know. I have to give a shout out to AC. Uh, AC Wiley is my buddy, and who told me that I really needed to talk to you. And he told me within the first ten minutes of talking to you, I'd understand why I needed to talk to you. And he was absolutely right. You know, the messages about learning to find in yourself. Uh, you know, how do you get what you want? How do you go after the things that drive you? I'm, I'm stoked that he made the recommendation for me to talk to you because now I get to help share these things. Not to put you on the spot, but this this podcast no, been, this podcast has now been heard in twenty four different countries, and uh, has I think over ten thousand downloads now. So there's going to be a lot of people oh, that you get to touch just by hearing your interview. Oh, uh, oh thank you. I mean, I, you know, I was humbled and you know thankful that you um, asked me because I'm just a I'm just a blue collar working guy trying to get my you know by me saying that and listening to you and hearing this. You know, and then I had that, you know, because one thing I was telling you about Brandon Belisio is that what's your why? 
You know, one of the things is, why do you, why do you do it? You ask yourself, why? What's your why? And when you find out your why, that's your most important point. And so my why is like, why did I start karate? You know, growing up in, growing up in L.A. South Central, you know, I was no gang member or nothing like that. And then my, you know, being an um, only child and um, having no brothers and sisters, you know, nobody to take you. If I got beat up, I got beat up. And so you have to defend yourself. And um, it's, it's funny. Once I started learning martial arts, you know, I've never been in a fight after all these years. For 40 some years, never had to put my hand on anyone. Now, and maybe I'm not sure if it's the aura, something that we have as martial artists, or our confidence shows. You know, it's almost like that, um, that <laughs> animal in the jungle. And, you know, um, when, a, when a lion goes after it, they know which one to pick on. You know, as he goes after a herd of buffaloes, they know which ones to go to. They go for the weak ones, for the ones that's not paying attention. I think that martial arts, we have that. There's something in us that I just, I don't know. You tell me, Steve, what do you think? I think there's something that we get or something that. Yeah, uh, it's ladies, just, it's weird. On. You know, when you when you start training, it's like you don't want to have to get into the fights because you know these things are going to go real bad oh. for somebody. And it's almost like, you know, I mean, there's there's guys out there that want to train in some kind of martial arts just to learn to kick somebody's butt, and those are the type that I don't allow in my school yeah. to begin with. But for the rest of us, you know, we're in, in general, we're good people that are seeking ways of protecting yeah. ourselves from, you know, bad things yeah. happening, right? And then after you train for a yeah. while, it's like, you know, I'm in this for self, you know, for myself uh, to make myself a better person and to learn more about how to protect myself and the people that I love. I don't want to get into a fight. I really don't. If I have to, somebody's going to get really hurt. And, you know, I, yeah. I don't want to destroy another human being. I really don't. No, we don't. But I have that confidence from the training that I know that if I have to, I can take care of myself. And, you know, you take any kind of the, uh, the police statistics and whatnot and you know, law enforcement statistics. By and large, the people who get into conflicts, uh, I'm talking about, you know, not, not the type where you got two people jaw jacking and then all of a sudden one of them starts a fight with the other. I'm talking like, you know, Sally Housewife who's coming out of the grocery store and she's not paying attention. She's playing on her phone while she's walking through the parking yeah. lot and she gets kidnapped. You know, it's it's by and large, oh, yeah. it's the people that look like they can't defend themselves or they look like they're going to be an easy target. And those are the people that are going to be victimized. So as martial artists, I mean, even even if you haven't, you know, become a quote unquote, you know, black belt, quote unquote master, whichever, you know, whatever you want to put in there, even having a modicum of training, it changes people's self-confidence levels. It changes your oh, yeah. ability because, you know, you have some physical skills. And then it also has it teaches you the respect for other people. So even if it's somebody you don't like, you know, I still show them respect as a human being, and that avoids a lot of conflict just because you're being respectful to other people. And, and, you know, another thing, the little things don't bother you. That's why I tell my kids. You know, they, so many kids they get so they get so sensitive. Well, he doesn't want to play with me. He's he's talking about me. I said, you know, people are going to talk about you. Heck, if they talk about Jesus Christ, they're definitely going to talk about you. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said that's something you got to overlook. I said because you know I mean heck I got parents but I don't always agree with what I, what I do. But you know I'm not trying to please people. You know um, I just try to do the best I can as a person. And if they like it, fine. If they don't, that's on them. But, you know I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm doing the best I can as a person and trying to make a difference. And um, you know you're not going to always satisfy everybody. And once you understand that, I think that helps you. You're going to go a long way. Totally agree. You know, just being the best, just being the best that you can. You know, um, you know, you know. One thing I'm not sure if you if you saw my website, there was this kid, and I was talking about our why. I mean, need to go back on that. Um, why that? You know, you know, come up in a single family home and growing up where I grew up in the South Central and stuff. You know, I mean, heck, you take it on the on the street on one block, every block. There's probably at least, out of the kids on there, there's probably at least three to four or five of them that probably went to juvenile hall. That's the kind of area I grew up in. I mean, you can get shot at for wearing the wrong color, um, 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 wearing the wrong color, um, being in the wrong spot. Some people just, you know, kids are getting shot left and right. So, for me, I got into martial arts, man, and that was my, that was my thing. I mean, I just loved it and gravitated to it. Um, but the thing is, I, then after I got into it, I started learning. I love helping other people. You know, I, I grew up in that kind of environment. My mother, you know, she was, 
she was a community activist and she always did things to help other people and she we you know for people regardless what they say about the black Panthers and so they said well but, but the black people know that in the community they might have done some bad things but their whole goal in the community was for trying to self empowerment improvement that they help kids that's why I first started learning at a, at a center first and then I ran to the BKF and stuff and their whole thing was not you know being anti anything they were just trying to grow like like the you know WTA or any other Korean organization, they but they want to empower the young, you know, black community. Uh, let them know that hey, there's another way. You don't have to be a, a member of a gang. If you want to be a part of something, be a part of this organization. It's about empowerment. Um, you know, trying to get the kids off the street. That's what the BKF was about. And I really think, you know, I think Mr. Muhammad. Now I think him all the time when I talk to him. You know, for saving my life because, you know, I doubt very seriously that had I already got in um, any kind of gang because that's. A, that's not who I was, but it just—he gave me something that I was that I'm able to share, and able to, to spread forward. Now, I thank him for that. You know, uh, meeting people like AC and other great martial artists and stuff. People who had that same life mindset like yourself. You know, you're doing this now because you want to help, and you know, um, you you want to help and spread the message about martial arts. That's literally the the genesis for how this podcast came to be. That's your why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figured out uh, several years ago that I really just enjoy helping people and watching people learn. And when, you know, you see that light bulb moment go on and when the student's really trying to get something, get something, get something, they're working, working, yeah. working, and all of a sudden the light bulb goes on. That's like, that. that is literally my motivation to keep teaching every day. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I was going to tell you, Steve? If you go on there on my, um, there's, a, there's a story about this kid named um, Jacob Solis. This is the good thing to help me. I mean, it's a couple. Of, I have a couple of stories like that. But Jacob, um, his father had his girlfriend, and um, they broke up. And um, she got mad. She was so bitter about that. So she said, "I'm going to get this guy because he hurt me." So she broke in his house and hid in his closet, hid in the, hid in the closet in the house for 12 hours, and she was going to kill the son. But the, when she was trying to suffocate, the boy woke up. And he, he got to fight with her, and. Um, and, you know, he headbutted her, and she picked up a weight and it hit him upside the head. And they cracked his head and gave him about 20-something stitches. But he was able to fight her off, and he ran next door to his neighbor. And later on that day, they arrested her. She's in jail now, prison now, uh, for attempted murder. And so those things, you know, when a mother thinks, I was going to tell him Mundo and all that kind of stuff. You know, but it was never about me. I, but I was glad that something I taught, something I learned, was able to save somebody's life. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, so I think that's what we, that's why we do that. I mean, that's, you know, heck, some martial like I said, maybe 70% or just making it, you know, and even that percent, you know, um, maybe 30% of people really making a good living. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm probably going to have 30%, but I know that I'm going to get there. I was never driven by money, but my passion was always in martial arts and helping someone else. That's beautiful. You spent 22 years in the U.S. military. Um, what what impact do you think your martial arts career had on your military career or vice versa? Okay, I could say both. Let's stick to it. You know, I mean, um, I was always that kind of person. If I got into something, I stuck with it, you know. Let me say this. I'm going to share Now, you know, before I got in the military, I was a Boy Scout. They were the Boy Scouts. One of the Boy Scouts, I mean the Cub Scouts. Cub Scouts, the Weeblos, the Weeblos, the Boy Scouts. Then from Boy Scouts, I went to ROTC, the ROTC in the Army. And when, you know, I started I I thinking about this. I, I started paralleling this with my life. But all those things were about discipline, you know, selfless service. And um, when I got in the, you know, um, and then from the military, you know, I, I, I started liking it. And then, you know, once I got into something I liked, I stayed with it. You know, I tell some of the kids, now, I've never been the rabbit. In life, I've always been a turtle. Some things came to me fast, some things came to me slow. But whatever came to me, whatever came to me, and once I got it, I got it. I stayed with it, and um, that's what made me stay with the military as long as I did. And I really believe that my martial arts training taught me a lot because there was some tough times. There was some tough times in the military and stuff, you know, where I had to persevere and had that endurance and stuff, not giving up. You know, I remember times where 
we were on certain field exercises and stuff, and things didn't always go our way. And the elements, I mean, the rain, things like that, just were totally against us. I remember one time we were sleeping late at night, and the rain came and just knocked, us down, and knocked everything that we had down. Just, it was really terrible. It was a bad storm. And, you know, we had to prepare to get my soldiers to safety, and boom, we had to get back out there and set up again. And then, you know, there was there were times and stuff like I wanted to give up, but I think that my tra- I know that my training, that I endured in martial arts, the hardships and stuff like that, you know, going through that had helped me. So I believe that both of them had a, they were like the yin and yang to each other, you know, where I needed both of them, you know, both, um, the structure that I got from the military is helping me now with my business. It's helped me learn, you know, getting more about systems. But the 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 uh, discipline I've got a lot from martial arts. It's really it, they both both uh, they both are together. I mean, they're like yin and yang. If you look at it, if I think about it, there's a way I can make it. If I'm expressing it right. Okay, so did you find much difference? So I'm, I'm assuming you went into the military when you were relatively young. Then I was seven. I was 17 years old. Okay, so you basically had been training with the BKF for five, six years, and then went straight into the military yes, from there, sir. right? Yes, sir. And when I came home, I would come back and I would train with him. Oh, nice. So you had actually had two, uh, uh, two different stints there with the BKF stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I never stopped. You know, this one, I saw him. You know, about three years ago, because I got him to get it with Mr. Palazzo. Mr. Palazzo, they have this WKKA camp. So um, he's been with them. He's done a couple of things with them in like two years. And, and, you know, he was really honored. You know, I told, because uh, Mr. Uh, um, Mr. Palazzo, they didn't know how to get in contact with him. So you think he'll be honored? You think he'll be want to want to come down there? I told yes. And so, um, so Palazzo, Mr. Joe Palazzo's son, he got him to... Uh, to come, you know, he paid for his stuff, he took care of him, and um, he got to come down here. Um, but before that, I saw Mr. Uh, Mr. Muhammad at um, the Capitol Classic, Dennis Brown's Capitol Classic in D.C. is a big tournament, <clears throat> and I saw him there, that's how we started reconnecting. And I call him every month now, we talk, you know, about martial arts and about life. I talk to him about fighting and, you know, training, you know, especially as I get older. And he's still, he's still training. You know, he was, um, Wesley Snipe um, instructor for years when Wesley Snipe was at the height of his career. That's what and I heard. Bodyguard. Yep. Okay, so went so, to the military, um, came back out, worked with the BKF again, still working with them, uh, with Mr. Muhammad specifically here in the meantime. Uh, how did you get hooked up yes. with uh, Joe Palonzo and working with the w- WKKA? Well, I, I, when I got to Maryland, I was looking for different Kempo schools. And I went to a couple of them. But uh, what I like about Joe Belanza school is that they spar. A lot of guys, a lot of Kimpo schools get in the spar. They didn't tell, oh, we might do it every now and then. They do a lot of techniques. And for me, you know, coming from a school that was a be careful the fighting school. You know, they did Kimpo, but it wasn't like, hey, we're gonna do, you know, like I see what I see now in a lot of Kimpo schools. One guy he'll throw like one technique or a punch, and it's okay. This technique is for this. And then, like, say, they say this technique is for, like, a shirt grab or a this and that or a, a choke or something. Okay. After I get my hold on you, I'm throwing, after the person gets his hold on me or attempts to put his hold on me, I'm throwing six to seven techniques to his one shot. That's not a fight. That's a stage. That's choreography. That's a choreographed thing. That's not real. To me, I, I still have a problem with that. That's not realistic. Yeah, I think it was Dave Hebler. I've quoted a couple of times, but he said, you know, when you got a technique that's 27 moves long, that's a form. That's not a technique anymore. No, it's rehearsed. It's choreographed. And, and I said, the best way to know if what you do works is that you have to, you have, to have somebody come at you and sparring. You know, Mr. Muhammad, uh, he said um, at the camp one time, at WKKA camp, he said that, um, that when he would start sparring, he said, you know, uh, Chuck up uh, Ed Parker and stuff would show him techniques. He said he started seeing that he couldn't do something, you know, certain techniques the way they were rehearsed. He said because everything changes. He said when you try to throw that one shot, the other guy's coming back with something else. And by me boxing, I know from um, from reality that you you know, heck, that was pretty quick. 
But I couldn't throw three and four shots like right there in the air of one person's shot, you know? I mean, you know, it was an exchange sometimes. Now, sometimes I might beat him to the punch. Even if I did that, I had to be willing for the, I had to be ready for the next shot. Now, I understand Kimpo, like, they have that what-if phase. Well, what if he does this after he does that? Because of, in fighting, it's going to always change, you know. Um, the dimension is going to change. Um, the distance is going to change. So you got to be willing, you got to be ready to adapt. But that's why I like going to WKKA because they sparred. And, um, and they also did the technique. So I wasn't just learning the techniques. I was learning about sparring. You know, we did sparring drills and we did sparring. So that's why I wanted to keep my sparring going, you know, keep my sparring going. And most of the kids when I got here, they didn't spar them. Now I like the way Mr. Balanzo was. I like the way he talked. I like his knowledge. So that gives me a, a piece of advice That's here we can, we can use for uh, you know our listeners out there who may not be necessarily martial arts uh, oriented, but maybe they're looking for something, or maybe they've been inspired for something. You know, looking at style versus style doesn't always give you the the, the right equation. You know, there's some things that where you know you got somebody tall and lanky. You know, ground fighting may not be your primary style that I'd recommend for you. You're tall and lanky. Maybe you look at something that's striking, uh, where you can use your legs more. Uh, if you're short and stocky, maybe the yes, grappling's a better fit. But more to that is you need to really connect with the instructor because it doesn't matter you know, if that style is a great style for your build or not. If you can't connect with that instructor and that instructor doesn't drive you to actually want to perform your best and want to learn to your best, yeah. it's going to be an uphill battle regardless. Yeah. It sounds like you really found a, uh, something I, that you connected with with Mr. Balonzo. Oh, yeah. Now, I, um, and you know, also, too, because I was training with – a friend of mine, you know, trained with him now, but he doesn't do Taekwondo now. He does Tali, uh, a Power Roger. He does a thing called Tali for Kids, and he does. Uh, he's pretty good with that. And uh, I used to go to his school, and you know, to get my sparring, and I would go to his school because it was Taekwondo, and those guys love the sparring. And uh, but like you saying, you know, um, you have to have a connection with the instructor, you know, because some guys are just—it's all about them versus you know teaching you. They, they want to impress upon you how great they are, but they're not really teaching you, you know. And, you know, I like a guy that can show me and, hey, this is why you do this. You know, I do it because of this. And when they can tell me the why, you know, Mr. Balanza like that, and Mr. Lambert's like that, and Mr. Muhammad's like that. So I've been pretty blessed to get with guys that, you know, um, some people say, okay, this is why you do it. You do it this way because, and that's it. So I said that. But, it, you know, they don't explain to you why and how it can be used in this situation. You know, um, I think, a, to me, I think your greatest instructor is one that can uh, put aside his own ego and help you explore who you are and how it can work for you. Maybe because, you know, like you said, some people do better at ground, some people do better with kicks and stuff. And I think that, uh, you know, you have to find out what works best for you. Yeah, there's several of your reviews on here on your, both your website and your Facebook page that have specifically called out the fact that your instructors at your school, uh, yourself included, spend time with every single student looking to help how they can maximize and help each individual learn. That's that's a hallmark of somebody who really cares. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we take, I mean, I, but I think, that you know, it's almost like, I think it's almost like, think about it. Um, and this might be off the subject a little bit. But I remember um, I was at home, and my uh, an in-law, it was something that my cousin did and myself did. She said, you know what, you can really tell you, see your grandmother's, your grandparents' fingerprint on you guys because all of you guys, uh, from your mom and them, all of you guys have that same character about how you treat people and how you talk to people. And that, that, I think that's what it is with the martial arts. You know, um, you know when you have a good, a caring. Not saying now, I have had some students that went south, but I can think that ninety-seven percent of them went the right way. You know, and I think that when you make a difference in that person's life, um, you're going to see it. You know, doesn't make. You know, uh, has a student ever came back to you that you haven't seen in some years? You're like, man, you can't really re remember them. You're like, wow. And then there's some students that you say, wow, I remember this kid. But some of these kids, they're growing up so fast. Like, man, the other day I had a student came in with his grandmother, who I knew right from the start. And I said, man, 
Okay, I mean, I can't even remember. I think that should be a younger picture. But, you know, he was with me for a while. But I, I was just, I was touched that this kid, after all these years, he wasn't looking me up and saying hello. That's always got to be yeah. a real fond moment. Oh, yeah. I had a lady, um, God rest her soul, um, she was dying. And she called me just before she was about to die. And she said, well, doc, the doctor already gave me that I'm going. I said, no, no, you got to hold on. And I couldn't say anything. She said, no, nothing. You'll tell me, but I just want to thank you for your kindness and your gentleness, your love, and your concern for my family. I want to thank you. And I'm like, wow. But it made those things like worthwhile. And I had another student. His brother, um, here's like a story. Um, this kid, he used to come by my studio all the time. And he would come in and he would be there early. But I didn't know his mother was suffering. She died from cancer eventually. And um, he told me, he said, my brother, I said, yeah, brother. He said, yeah. He said, my brother plays at the University of Maryland. Now, his brother was like a, a college standout there. And um, I didn't know. And he told me, he said, Mr. Macon, his brother came to meet me. And he said, Mr. Macon, I, I can't afford to keep paying. paying um, my mother can't um, pay for this. She's sick and she's terminally ill. And I can't pay for it. I said, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll let him come for free. And when his brother made it to the NFL, he came back and uh, he played for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. His name was Madhu Williams. And uh, he played for the Cincinnati Bengals. When he played here, he gave me a free ticket. He also brought me a check. I'm like, wow. I was blown away, you know, because I never did it for that reason. I did it for the goodness of my heart because I saw this kid wanted to do this. And, you know, those things right there made it worthwhile. Those things make it worthwhile. It, makes, it gives me that, like, hey, it makes sense. That, you know, that we're just not here, you know, to make a quick dollar. We're here to make a difference. And that's why I changed my name from making. That's one of the reasons I changed it from making twice in it to extreme impact. You know, so, you know, those are the reasons that, you know, I love hearing I, that's why I like love that. doing it. So, yeah. You know, do it now. I ain't going to lie and say, hey, I don't make a good living. Now, I want to get to, I wanna, I'm going to get to that level, but I've never been driven by money. My, the way I teach now, the way I do things. My passion towards teaching martial arts has never been changed. Has never changed. Has never changed. You know, if I can get up and I, I, I still have the same passion and stuff, shoot, I'm happy. It's a blessing for me. That's beautiful. I'm going to keep on doing what I do until I guess the good Lord called me home. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> we, talked, uh, we talked about your history with the BKF both before and after the military. Talked about some of the military involvement. Uh, working with your after-school program, working with your, your your kids' program, your at-home program, all of that kind of stuff. How do you find the time to actually give every single student that individual attention? Well, you know, with my other instructors, I mean, you know, uh, with my other instructors, we, we walk the floor, and, you know, sometimes when he's working with a group, I work with a group, and I tried to tell them, I said, you know, it's not like we have hundreds of kids on the floor. Um, we might have a good 20 on the floor each time, 25 kids, but, we're watching, you know, and so, and I think the, the best thing we do, we do is that, um, it's kind of like round robin training or, um, you know, or like say like we have a group one, group two, and group three, everybody in group one, they're rotating curriculum. Everybody in that group one is working on that same technique. Everybody in group two is working on that same technique. So it doesn't matter if a kid just came in for their first day, he's going to learn the same thing everybody else is in group one. But before he leaves that group, He's going to do, like, say, if he come in and they're working on number four, he's going to learn number four first. He's going to go, like, four, three, two, one. He'll go backwards. Then you go to the next group. And so, you know, and then we see kids, if they, if they you know, we have extra classes. They do their regular class two days a week, but then they have an extra class. Like, if kids are struggling, I tell the parents, I said, um, if you like, you can bring your child in on Friday and we'll work with them. Or Saturday. So, you know, I just try to make sure that I give the parents a bang for their buck. You know, that they see that they, you know, that they feel like, hey, this is well worth it. And, that, and it normally works. You know, they see that, hey, that, you know, this guy's not charging me nothing extra. He's giving me this. Hey, if you go to a restaurant and they give you less, you're going to notice that. But if they give you more, you're going to be a happy customer. Especially if it's something you like. Wouldn't you agree, Steve? Yep, absolutely. That's all about all about giving people what's the, what's right for their what they're needing to do. Yes, sir. 
But the after school program, see, those kids are there five days a week. Okay, so you see them every day anyways. Yes, sir. And now with them, now, you know, just because they're there five days a week, you have some kids that, you know, they're not going to give the best. So what we do now, we, we disguise repetition, and we also give them, we do different things. So like two days out the week, they do their core training, like they do the Kempo. They learn that they work on their college, their forms. And then uh, the other day, they work on sparring drills and things like that. And then the other day, we have Hyper. That's a program by um, Roland Osborne. And uh, he has a lot of different great things in that. And then we do college for kids. So those four days out. And then we, some days on Friday, we have like a fun day. You might play games or something like that. You know, since the weather's getting warm, we'll take the kids out back. We have a basketball court out there. And the kids, you know, um, they do all kind of outdoor activities, then, you know, on, on some days. But if we're training, then we have leadership training. We'll do that for the kids that are getting ready to test for their brown belt and black belt. So do you have, a, like, a required number of days where they have to teach? Not for, not for the students, but for my, by my black belt. See, they, they're in college. So, you know, when, um, on some days I have two of them there. Like on Tuesday and Thursdays and Fridays, I have both instructors there. But then, like, on Monday and Wednesday, it's just myself and my other instructors. But we get the job done. We're, we haven't blown out. We haven't packed it up like we haven't packed it in. We haven't still like we want to yet, but we're getting there. Okay, so when you have some of those black belts that are looking, you're looking at for okay, who's the next teacher here? Who's the next one that's going to be trained to be an instructor? What kind of development program do you work with oh. for them? Well, what I do, they're brown belts. I see. We we start prepping them way before they get the brown, you know, brown belt. You know, um, you know, like you know how most schools they line up by rank, and so um, I get them out there and we go over things. I said, you know, get them to start teaching and helping other people. Everybody that's in my school, they have to help somebody. They have to help somebody. And like the young girl, I have a girl named Jalen. She's probably going to be my youngest black belt eventually. I mean, she's at least four years old. Now she's getting ready to go to middle school. Now, um, I have her get in front of the class. Okay, stretch them out. Exercise them. Have them I have them teach them now to warm them up. You know, to properly warm the class up. And then when I come out to them before she bows it to me, or to my other instructor, and then we'll start teaching. So the leadership, the leadership development program is constantly there. You know, they're constantly being groomed while they're training. You know, like when I was in the military, that's something I get from the military too, because you know, as military, you know, you know, you know, as an EM, as lower enlisted, you know, they start training you a job, and then they give you more responsibility, and give you more responsibility, and then eventually you get promoted, and then by the time you get um, by the time you get to E4, you know, you start having a leadership responsibility. And then um, you go to E5, and then they send you to a school. So that's, that's what we're trying to do now. You know, where we, um, you know, I'm trying to do the same thing like they did in the military, you know, where they go. We have leadership classes, and we work with them, like, extra, like, on Fridays and Saturdays. So they can start learning how to teach and recognize and see see weaknesses. Because sometimes you get kids on the floor, they're looking, but they're not seeing you know what I'm saying? They give me a kid right in front of you. They don't see the right foot back. I say right foot back, and they put the left foot back. They don't recognize those things. But so when you're in front of the class, like myself, I'm constantly looking all over. I have my peripheral vision. Constantly, I'm constantly looking and observing, correcting. So that's what I'm trying to teach my students to do. Yeah, it's a whole different skill set from when you're performing yourself, and then now you're trying to guide you know somebody else, and then even another skill set when oh, you yeah. try to do it when you got a group full of people. Oh, yeah. You know, one thing, Steve, I can say, like, my class is like, it's kind of like when they line up, okay, they go, I, my military, my, my commands are military. Class, I can't, you know, so I say class, they're like at a modified position of um, parade rest. Attention, they, they come to attention, bring their left foot to the right, they clap twice, and they bring their hands to the side, at attention, they're looking straight. Then I'll say team check. Then the team, the first squad leader turn, team check third. Row one, are you ready? They'll, they'll make sure that everybody in the row is right. You know, the belt is tied right, second squad is right, third squad is right, and fourth squad. And then we'll say team check, and they'll say team check first. And they'll say, like, for example, I got this from row last one. Row one, are you ready? Say, yes, sir. And the next one, row two, are you ready? Yes, ma'am. But, you know, go on and go on to how many rows we have. And then they'll go back. And then um, they'll let us know who's there and who's not there. That's teaching them responsibility. 
and parents love it. Nice. So what do they have to do to be one of those people that gets to be the squad leaders? Well, basically, it's their rank. Their, you know, what's their, their rank? You know, like if they're the highest ranking belt there, like say they're a red belt or a purple belt, so I give them a responsibility. Now, there's some kids that I have that they might be, um, they might they might outrank the next person in the squad, but the best behave. So I, so what I do, you know, I'm trying to teach them that I'll put somebody that's lower than them ahead of them. Because I tell them like in life, I said, you don't do your job right. There's going to be somebody else that's going to take your job. Because I said, you got to always believe that there's somebody always looking over, you got to always look over your shoulder because you never know who wants that job, who wants that position better than you do. Too true. So, Happens all the time. So we're counting. Oh, yeah. If I don't do my job right, if I'm not teaching right, you know, and I've had parents to leave. But, I, you know what? I've had parents to leave and we didn't come back because they like the atmosphere there. There you go. You know, they like, they like that we care. You know, we're not like, I'm not a belt manufacturing school where we're just promoting students to get their money. And right now, what we do now, we don't even we don't even uh, charge for belt testing. We charge more in monthly, but we don't charge for belt testing no more. And we do a free parents night every month. We got one coming this Friday. Yeah, we got to, you know, we always give them back. Okay, so let's look towards the future. So where's the future of the school going? Well, my goal by 2020 is open two more schools. That's that's my goal. And right now this year, my goal is to develop my systems and really get off my duff and develop systems. You know, because everything, every good organization has good systems. You know, like you look at McDonald's. I got a friend, his name is John Broussard, a um, guy I know, uh, in his coaching program. He does over 900000 a month right now out of seven schools. And, I mean, you know, so the business is there. You know, I've got to learn it, you know, and get more discipline. That's what I'm working on, discipline organized. I'm always working on me. Yeah, obviously, my goal is like, to, like 20, uh, 20, run seven two more schools. But see, as soon as I have there, the kids that's going to be going to college that's going to stay local, those are the kids I want to employ. There you, you know? go. Those are young, you know, young men and women I want to employ. So the people that have raised through your school and, and you've watched them grow and they're ready to rock and roll as, as productive members of society, and okay, now you're going to college, here's a good job for you. Yeah, I want to be able to give them something. It really seems like everything that you're doing is all designed to give back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I am so honored to be able to have this conversation today. You know that? Well, thanks for us, Steve. I know we probably, you know, sometimes I feel like i got so much to say. I want to make sure I get this in and get that in. So I might go here and go there. But my heart's in the right place, and I'm just trying to get more focused on my business now. And, you know, because I, if I don't get that right, then I can't do none of the things I want to. I won't be around to get those things done. So I have to develop that and get those systems down. You know, sometimes I'm martial artists, sometimes they're good martial artists, but they're terrible businessmen. You know, it's not like somebody taught me about business. I, you know, I learned on my own. I've, you know, um, gone to school. I got my bachelor's degree in business administration. So now... You know, going to seminars, going to workshops—that's how. That's what's helping me out. Okay, so what what advice do you give your students to help them stay motivated or to persevere with their training? To follow their heart, <laughs> and I mean, if it's on their life, I tell them to follow their heart. But I also ask them, you know, I'm always encouraging them to do better. I, I'm always encouraging them to do better. I mean, to dig in because you know, some students they feel you know. I think getting a black belt is just a goal. And I'm not sure if they're going to be lifelong martial arts like myself, but it is a goal. And it's an admirable goal because, I mean, how many people actually make black belts? Uh, statistically, it's about one in a thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, um, and I even heard I saw a bigger number than that. He said, I mean, so many out of like 10,000, and after 10,000, after, after they do six months, and so many drop off, and after, after that, then more drop off. And then how many of them keep staying? But what happened? I had one girl. She came back to me. She left stopped for a while. She said, you know, Miss Make, I just want to come back and get my belt. I said, you know what? I like that. She is passionate about it. She, she is definitely passionate about it. You know, I said, well, go ahead. You know, so that's the kind of stuff, you know, 
that I like. You know, now are they gonna stay with it? Maybe some will, and some won't. You know, but you know the ones that do, it, I they really get me. And the kids that you know, you know what I like to see. I have a test this week, this Friday. Now, I know some of the kids are gonna fail, but way we doing our test now. We're gonna do it. We I used to test them, and then I promote that day. So now I stopped doing that. I, I um, read something. I heard someone they were talking about this. Um, my friend, he does. He tests them. He doesn't promote them that day. He tests. He promotes them like a week later, or two weeks later, because the ones who didn't pass, um, they have a chance to correct it. Now, yeah, and also I thought about it. You know, sometimes I thought I was under pressure because I would test in the in the, in the, in the past where. Even if the kid didn't look that good, I promoted them because I felt I was pressured because they brought their grandparents and you don't want to see a kid crying and oh, get promoted. So now, what we're doing now, we don't we don't promote them right away. We give them if they have a month, you know, to um, correct the thing they had wrong. So this way, it, it you know I don't have that pressure. But what you know, it it teaches the kid. That preparation is the key. So I fell again. I'm not preparing myself. And that works as life as well as the martial arts. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. So this has been a wonderful chat for the last hour or so. Um, let's move into our closing segments here. And our, our podcast literally has a worldwide audience. So you know, the worldwide audience, and once we put this out on the net, it's going to be on the net forever. So... That means there's generations of people potentially that could hear these words of wisdom you're about to throw on us. So if uh, you could yes, send sir. out a message to the world and anybody, whether they're training in martial arts, not training in martial arts, you know, what message would you send them, you know, life in general, martial arts related, whatever? Oh, you know, I try to be too religious, but then who I am, that's, you know, part of my fabric. But I always believe that, you know, whatever you do, you put your heart into it. If it's not something that you... It's, it was not something, you know, I heard that um, they were talking to Steve Harvey. I was listening to different people and asking him um, about different dreams and stuff. They said, whatever you do, you know, put your heart into it. If it's something that you know what your passion is if you do it for free. If you're still passionate about it and it's something you did for free, then that might be something you might want to really look at, you know, um, to do as a career. Um you know, you might want to look into something that, that you do. For me, somebody asked me, when are you going to retire? I said, retire? I said, I'm like, I can't see myself retiring. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to always be a martial artist. I'm going to always do this. Now, am I going to do it at the level where I'm doing it now, kicking and punching? And I probably will. But my goal is to grow my business. And that's, you know, something I want to do. I just think that whatever we decide to do in life, find your passion, you know. Whatever, whatever your passion is, it should be something that you that excites you when you wake up, that you don't mind doing, that you don't count the hours. You just you you, you just do it because it's something you want to do, and and it makes you happy. It's it's more like when you feel like it's a task oriented, and you have to get up, you grind, you're not happy about it. That's when it's work. So I just say find your passion. Love it. All right, Mr. Macon, so then uh, if people are out there listening and they would like to get a hold of you, how would you like them to get a hold of you? Well, they can always reach me on my, um, on my website, or they, uh, they can email me, or they can call me at my shop, actually. And then all that contact information is on your website? Yes, sir. And what's that website address? Um, if they go into uh, MaconsKarate.com, because that's my old URL, but that's what we use on uh, and Extreme Impact will pop up. So M-A-C-O-N-S-K-A-R-A-T-E.com. Yes, sir. All right, and you got links there for your contact information, and then you're also on Facebook. Uh, that's also Extreme Impact Family Martial Arts. Uh, look them up if you're ever out there in the Odenton area, out there in Mailand. I don't think you'll be uh, disappointed that you do. It's been my honor having you on the show today, sir. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your day. I really do appreciate it. Yes, sir. I really do feel blessed to have the opportunity to record these podcasts. 
every single one of our guests has been a great conversation learned a lot of really cool things got a lot of interesting and unique perspectives on life and martial arts training in general so i'm not exactly sure which of our interviews is going to be airing next week again unfortunately we've had so many of them going on it's just a kind of a matter of which ones can we get edited and ready to go first so um upcoming i know we've got a lot of big names i've got uh, steve uh, steve sanders muhammad is going to be recording with us uh, we've got uh, ed parker jr's got a two-part episode i've got a part two with chuck sullivan coming up i got a lot of cool things in the works so as soon as we can get them ready to rock we'll get them up and published uh, stay tuned everybody we thank you for all of the positive reviews we thank you for the contacts on both facebook as well as our website and even on we've gotten some good reviews on itunes and google play now so Thank you for all of that. Uh, if you've got somebody you'd like to see on the show, it's pod at artistofmotion.com for a recommendation. You can also leave us a message on our Facebook page, which is, which is also Artists of Motion. Find us on iTunes at artistofmotion.com slash iTunes. And you can find us on Google Play at artistofmotion.com slash Google Play. So that's all for this week. We'll see you next time on the Artist of Motion podcast. My name is Steve Zalazowski.